the data audit helps um, figure out if there's additional things that we can do. Because the data audit is really uh, just a starting point, really, to get their data wrangled. But then it's, well, this is what you could do with it if you continue to monitor it, if you continue to make changes. And so let's continue to work together and build a relationship. Picture a world where costs are down, profits are up, and customers are clamoring at your door. You're listening to Let's Get Up to Business from Jordan Law. Our interviews with business owners, service providers, and area experts can teach you how to create a world of success and profitability. If you're looking for an attorney to assist in your business formation, employment agreements, or other legal business needs, contact Jordan Law at 407-906-5529. You can also reach us on the web at jordanlawfl.com. Jordan Law, we protect you and your business. Hello and welcome to Let's Get Up to Business with Jordan Law. Joining me today are not one, but two awesome guests. We have Patty and John Brownsword with Data Wonderment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, great. Thanks for having us. Thank so, you, Jordan. So tell us a little about yourselves. Uh, well, I'm Patty. I'm John. <laughs> and um, I have a main hustle, but I started a side hustle a little more than two and a half years ago uh, called Data Wonderment or Data Wonderment, you know, tomato, tomato. But I wanted to help small and medium-sized businesses uh, kind of wrangle their data and figure out what to do with their data to make useful insights. And so I have a business partner, but John being my husband is also uh, kind of very integral in the business, um, not only helping me with all of the different projects that we have, but then also um, keeping my head on straight and cleaning the house and making dinner too. So <laughs> I do it all. <laughs> all important tasks. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's important to have a good either community or family or um, support, structure. support structure if you're going to be trying to do this situation. Uh, so yeah, so the side hustle has been um, a lot of fun, but we do we do that. Um, so I have a main gig. I have the side hustle. Uh, John's starting another main gig soon and he'll be helping me with this. And um, then we also have a podcast on the side that we're trying to launch, too. Patty is Still Learning, uh, part of my blog, pattyistilllearning.com. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, little plug. But, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we just like to, you know, have fun, find joy in life, and help businesses wrangle data because the insights that they, uh, that they get out of it where we can actually help move the needle, you know, like increase, uh, you know, operational efficiency by X percent or make the marketing plan X percent more efficient by making certain decisions based on past historical data. That's like some of our favorite stuff to do. So you're helping businesses figure out what data they need to collect as well as how to read that data and how to make changes going forward? Yes, it depends on the business. Uh, uh, we like to work with uh, business owners who have been in business for at least you know, a little more than five years. Uh, that way they've got some data uh, to wrangle because the first couple of years you're still just trying to figure out what's what and then you um, get a little bit going. So at least if we've got three years of data, we can find uh, seasonality, we can find historical uh, fluctuations so that way when you do start uh, making changes and pulling different levers uh, we can measure those changes and actually see what's what's actually happening and more effective okay 
So having a listener who knows they've been running their business for about five years, they want more of an understanding of how the business is doing and what changes to make. They know they need y'all's help. What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, they can email me at patty with an I at datawonderment.com. Um, you can also email info at datawonderment.com. Check us out on all the social medias as Data Wonderment. Uh, we're around. Okay. So let's get into, I guess, the beginning of this. So you're not looking for a new business owner. You want somebody who has enough history that you can pull proper data from what they've been doing. Yes. Uh, we can consult on new okay. businesses if they want help with setting up. Uh, we have a good friend who, with her company, she tries to help develop small businesses who are about to scale big uh, so she helps them and she's talked to us of, you know about helping her with help making sure that they are capturing the data correctly from the beginning but for what we do uh, what we like to do uh, our favorite thing is what we call a, a data audit uh, is we'll go through and um, depending on if you want an operations track or a marketing track uh, we have different frameworks that we'll analyze a certain number set of data collection points that you have uh, because everybody's got you know data from all different places either they're using a CRM and they're using an accounting system and they're using um, the you know Google Analytics and they're using you know, search engine marketing and they're using Facebook and they're you know all these different points where data can be used to follow a path um, so we have kind of a framework that shows uh, a marketing funnel path of, of how you get all of your people through to a sale. And so we'll analyze uh, if there's any breakpoints in how you collect your data, as well as if there's any insights that can be gleaned from the data while we're collecting it. And then on the operation side, um, we can do the same thing with uh, measuring sensor data, building the sensors uh, so that if you're building, if you have uh, different parts or sets that need to be watched, we can build those and monitor those and report on them. Or if you already have all that data, we can build dashboards uh, to make sure that you're looking at the data correctly, that you can make strategic decisions off of. All right, so let, let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I first use the uh, word breakpoint. Yeah. What's that? Um, that might be a patty term. Uh, there's a few of those that come out of me. Um, so it's a, it's like a, almost a roadblock or a um, oh, what's the other term uh, that's probably more a bottleneck okay and so or in the marketing idea there's a it's a sieve where your funnel has holes in it and so there's a point where different you know either the people that you're trying to capture and get attention of they're falling out of your funnel and so it's a I call that a break point but it's also a, a hole um, or if it's operations if there's a um, some kind of uh, block that is there's some kind of efficiency where it's like, well, you know that you know you're going after this, you're, you're shipping to this market, um, but a lot of the returns are happening at this market, or the shipping costs are actually higher than what you're charging. And have you thought about actually moving the lever of, you know, not pushing this market as much because if you push another market that's a little cheaper, you could actually make more money on the the back end of the actual shipping costs. So this all this break point. It's a pattyism. Gotcha. <laughs> are there specific types of businesses that you all are targeting, or is it really just the you know at that five year mark looking to take the next step or firm up the foundation? We are open to lots of opportunities right now. Um, with being in business for two and a half years, for the first year and a half, we were just saying, 
we'll work with anybody. All the things, we can do anything, let's just try. Um, and now we've kind of solidified a little more, but when, in terms of the actual business structure, um, we want to work a lot with like, if there's product dev um, development where we can analyze that operationally, or even with service, uh, we can handle analyzing that operationally for um, if there's uh, like call centers or if you have um, service calls for people going out and measuring that. We've, we've um, if uh, one of the more interesting ones um, that we've come across was analyzing or um, A-B testing a cleaning company for businesses where you could, um, we wanted to analyze the efficiency of the cleaners because they had to clock in and out per building and business. And we wanted to see if there were any quote unquote breakpoints of do they start to wear down or slow down after a certain point? Are there certain offices that are harder to clean than others? So um, my answer, I guess, still is a lot of everybody. Okay. <laughs> we, we're, not, we're not picky quite yet. Um, but that's really where I think the data audit helps um, figure out if there's additional things that we can do. Because the data audit is really uh, just a starting point, really, to get their data wrangled. But then it's, well, this is what you could do with it if you continue to monitor it, if you continue to make changes. And so let's continue to work together and build a relationship. Um, and so. don't forget the, the survey work that you do as well. Oh, sure. Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, with the survey work, uh, we... Um, are reaching out to prospective yes. so, clients, patients. Mm -hmm, yeah, we are also trying to build up our uh, customer satisfaction um, or employee satisfaction survey work. Uh, I've got a guy who has a doctorate and his focus was on customer experience and satisfaction. Um, and so, so technically two and a half years in, we're still saying we can do a lot of things. But <laughs> um, the survey work, uh, we can build out different surveys for different stakeholders. So we're actually trying to focus a little bit on the nonprofits there because they need the most help. Um, they may not necessarily have the most money, but if we can figure out some economies of scale of working with a bunch of them at one time. Right. Um, so we're trying to figure that out. But for businesses, um, I would say if you have a CRM and you feel like it's gotten away from you, <laughs> um, like for one of our clients, they have Salesforce but the marketing guy five years ago started it, implemented all these things, did all this stuff, and then mic drop left. <laughs> and then everyone else is like, what are we, are we doing this right? What's going on? Is, is, is there garbage in here? How do we even do this? And we were at, we were doing the audit and we're like, so what are these, what are the point weight values for? And they said, we don't know. Could, could you advise on how to do it better? <laughs> so. If the data's gotten away from you, we can help wrangle it. Um, or if you're just feeling like you've got them in so many disconnected places. I know that there's, there's some advertisement going around on some podcasts that I'm listening to where uh, they're saying, you know, buy this one platform because all of it fits in to, like you can take all of your different pieces and put it into this one platform to be able to look at it across things. And that's kind of technical. what you can do because they have to they put a lot of money into building APIs and infrastructure to make it all kind of work and we are more ad hoc scrappy Hondas uh, where we want to kind of put something together and build it that is for you that doesn't have to be rejiggered um, so that it's uh, it kind of works 
So you're putting in more of the personalized solution. Yes, yes. So I get, you know, I talk to a lot of, especially younger attorneys that are first starting out their business, and, you know, I bring up the CRM issue, and their eyes glaze over, like we're talking about, you know, high-level calculus. <laughs> so from that standpoint, I mean, you have these people that don't even understand what a CRM is or don't even have a plate. You know, they're putting client information in an Excel spreadsheet or something like That's that. That's okay. <laughs> Excel spreadsheets are fine if you've thought about how, like, the columns that you want to actually have and making it useful. Um, things to keep in mind is if you want, you know, if you like separating things out as much as possible so they can be sortable better, definitely makes uh, everybody's lives easier. So don't put first name, last name in one cell. Have a first name cell, have a last name cell. Addresses, break it apart. Email addresses, make sure that you build them exactly the way they're supposed to be, phone numbers. That way they can really be analyzed well. Keep the zip code in a different cell so that way we can analyze where they're coming from. ...is if you've got characteristic data. So if you've got demographic information you can put in there. If you've got um, different habits or patterns or notes that are brief enough, uh, we can analyze those too. So as you start to build your clientele database, um, think about all the different things that you could use as categorizations, and then we can start to actually build out audience targeting for that. Um, and I'm just going to throw in also try and track where the case came from. Yes, That's, sources. I yeah. talked to so many attorneys that don't do that at all. Oh. And how do you, you know, you're talking about the operations versus the marketing stuff, but I always tell people if you can't get money on the marketing side, the operations side doesn't matter. No, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, capturing, and that's, that's with all businesses, is know where your customers are coming from or try to ask or figure it, you know, figure it out. Be wary, though. Um, surveys and research have always said that um, even if you don't advertise on TV, some Take some of it with a grain of salt, but use it as a guidepost. But I would say for lawyers, especially if there's a referral services and things that, um, or other lawyers, keep track of all that because you definitely want to give a good Christmas gift after, you know, at the end of the year. It's like, thank you so much. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how, I, I guess the first question is, you're, are you having people reach out to you or are you reaching out to people to help them? Right now, it's been referral okay. for us. Yes, I have. Um, I've been in the Orlando advertising industry for mm, fifteen years, um, and so I've got just a, like I got a lot of good connections. And when I decided to hang my shingle, as the lawyers say, uh, they um, they were reaching out to me as well uh, and saying, "Hey, this is this is what you're doing. Oh, I have something." And so uh, everything. Almost everything that we've won has been through referral. Uh, we have done some RFP work with uh, Orange County. We've won one thing with uh, doing RFP. RFPs, request for proposal. So Orange County will um, send out these RFP requests. Um, and uh, some are for marketing, some are for trash cans, some are for software. Like it's all over the place. But uh, because uh, my business partner and I, we're both women, we uh, signed up for the uh, minority Women Business Enterprise certif Certification, which is a very big rigmarole to get through, but you actually get more points uh, for being those uh, when you're going through government uh, requests for proposals. Gotcha. So we're, we're keeping doing those um, slowly but surely. Uh, we, we keep, and the nice thing with those is we actually see how we 
compare against others and we're starting to tick up higher on the end list of you know top five we were the five now we're we were number two and you know oh, one time awesome. one time we were number one we got it there you go so we landed a three-year contract but that was when we finally were like we're a real business we can do this <laughs> so you don't have the hurdle of trying to convince people the importance of what you're doing we can't that's too okay. much that's too much to try to convince people that data is important when everyone else is screaming that out loud right now is just um it's a lot like it would be that would be an uphill battle if some business owner was like well no i don't think that my data is important or i don't think you know i need to collect it we'll be like i can't help you i'll send you some of my blog posts on why it's important and i'll send you third-party blog posts but it's you're not going to move the needle with those people we're looking for people that know more can be done and it could be done better and um, one client he actually uh, bless his heart. He's still like, I just don't know if you're going to get anything out of this. And we're like, we will. Don't worry. We're cleaning it up. Yeah, data, if, data is data. Data is data. And all data is messy. Like, <laughs> Don't let anyone fool you. If it, uh, it, Data is never clean. There's always some kind of blip. But I've got people. Uh, I work with quite a few independent contractors since this is a side hustle. And um, I can't do I can't do it all. And they are much smarter than me. Um they they can wrangle all that and parse it out and figure it out and make it so that it's usable so it's possible so i'm not going to call out the attorney by name but i, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago who was spending almost a hundred thousand dollars a year in marketing and mm. wasn't tracking where any of their cases mm. were coming from mm. and yeah the the look on your face and the noise <laughs> is, is <laughs> better than what i had <laughs> um, all right so that's good i mean you know because i we all run into the same wall of trying to convince people that knowing more about their business is key, um, you know, not having to get over that hurdle. I mean, that's huge because I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm totally a data nerd myself. And obviously, you know, we're sort of limited on some of the stuff that we can collect based upon who our clientele is and confidentiality and whatnot. But oh, sure. So walk me through, you know, so you have these businesses referred to you. They've been running for, you know, around five years or more. Mm -hmm. What are the biggest problems that you see businesses making before they sit down with you? They've changed their system like three times. The first one was paper, and then they went to something else, but then they decided, well, it's not worth migrating it over. And then they went to something else, and then they, and it was all kind of messed up like we just if there's just not enough data to make anything out of it so at that point the data audit is more or less here's a we'll give you a workshop on how to make this better and how to collect it better and and that's an unfortunate roadblock then where it's like saying okay well then in either six months to a year depending on how much data you collect <laughs> then we can come back and do an actual analysis um, and so it's, it's always unfortunate for it's almost like um, a business owner who uh, sees something shiny and is like, squirrel, oh, let me do this. Oh, squirrel, oh, let me buy this. Oh, squirrel, let me go here. Um, and they don't commit to one thing. Um, it's, the, it's the integrity of the length of data that's collected, not necessarily how. <laughs> Uh, and and so, the, yeah. the problem with that is because it's not financially worth it for you to put all that data together? Well, it's if they don't keep it. Oh, okay. Yeah, the problem is is if they've had it all on paper, then they just scrapped it and then started something fresh and like, this is what we're going to do. And then they didn't keep any of the historical stuff. If gotcha. they have all of it, great. It's still a mess and we can, we can get it all together. But it's that... 
um, well, the idea of, oh, well, this one was cheaper or this was a free service, so I went to that, but then it was right. hard to download to get it out to do anything, so I just left it. And I have to say, we, we did that a little bit too. It was, um, so we went from FreshBooks to QuickBooks uh, because when we finally just said, enough is enough, we needed an accountant. The accountant that we hired, um, they were they were QuickBooks people, and we were just like, if we're, let's make everybody's lives easier and switch to QuickBooks. So, we also have a, a personal assistant because she does all the zone of incompetent stuff that I, I don't want to touch. Um, so she migrated it over, but I didn't catch her fast enough to have it. It wasn't my it wasn't necessarily migrated. It was like downloaded in a, like a PDF and sent to the accountant. So okay. so the accountant could deal with it. But now I have a PDF mess. And it's like, oh, I could delimit it and figure it out and get it pulled down, but I'm doing it, and I don't. I, I pay other people to do it for clients. I don't want to pay my independent contractors to do it for me. So I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I mean, yeah. we all have limited resources, whether yeah. it's money, whether it's time, whether it's both. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so the biggest problem that you see is really either not keeping the data or losing the data as you migrate through different things. Yes, yes. Okay. In terms of clients who are keeping data, who do have access to it, mm -hmm. what are the biggest things that you see that they're not tracking that they should be tracking, you know, yesterday, a year ago, three <laughs> years ago? Um, some of the best stuff and easiest stuff is uh, track the addresses. Okay. Because there's actually so much we can get through other third-party resources that can add value to the address information you collect. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard of like Experian data. Um, they, if we plug in addresses with zip, even if even if we just have a zip code, we can start doing um, cluster uh, developments of who your target audiences are based on who you've who you have as clients. Even if you have addresses from people who didn't buy, then we can even see the differences between those that didn't buy your stuff versus those that did buy your stuff. So you can see that people in zip code A are hiring you at a 75% rate and people in mm -hmm. zip code B are hiring you at a 10% rate. Yes, and online. that the zip code A, they, um, they're XYZ demographic with some psychographics and they enjoy this kind of activity and they watch this kind of show. Interesting. So we can even get that. So we have started collecting people's addresses as of like a couple months ago. So I'm glad that, I'm glad that that's on your list. Yes. Yeah, I would say... Um, the magic number to be able to develop anything useful would be between three to five hundred. Three hundred would be a little loosey goosey. We'd still make some assumptions. Five hundred, we'd be able to give you some better uh, ideas of who your people are. And that would be three to five hundred individual clients. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So you. So, I mean, I guess for some of our listeners, they're thinking, "Oh my God, five hundred people. You know, that's a month." And for other listeners, they're thinking that's many years. Exactly. But it's it, relative. It sounds to me that I mean that's lower than I expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, um, it it just de it depends on, um, and also like where they are. Like if you're national and you only have five hundred, that's not going to get you enough zip code data to find anything useful. So there's that other layer of your geographic reach. So I'm thinking if it's a small, like a Orlando, and you've got 500 zip code, you know, records from like the Orlando Central Florida region, 
we can make magic with that. Okay. If you've got 500 and it's sparsed all around the country, we'll say, well, you've got one person here and one person there and 20 people there. That's not anything to be able to come up with. So right. it becomes very relative. There's like that one national park in Oregon that you that the yeah. only person who lives there hired you, yes. but maybe that's not an area we want to target. Exactly. So what about, I mean, for somebody who's statewide, you know, mm -hmm. is 500 people going to be sufficient no. for the, no, no, okay. no, no, yeah, much bigger, much bigger. Um, I don't have a magic number um, for you at that. My well, more is better. More is they... better. More is way better. Um, yeah, if it, it, but if you are a Florida, you should have quite a few names, I would hope. Again, it's not even those that buy, but those that don't buy because we can identify a whole level of interested and engaged as well as, you know, lookers or bookers. Well, it's the, uh, it's the old expression, you know, half of what we know is incorrect, we just don't know which half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the knowing, knowing, that, knowing that not the data is bad, but the result is bad is just as helpful as knowing the result is good when you're collecting the data. Exactly. Okay. So for, you know, so the three to 500 people you're talking about, that would be something for like all of Orange County or just Orlando for those numbers being, I don't want to say ideal because again, more yeah. better. But um, yeah, I would say Orange County would be a better bet. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So for our, for our listeners, assume a couple hundred people per county yeah. for your reach area. That's is a nice assumption. Best. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take that. Yeah. No, by all means. So what kind of walk me through the process, I, I guess it's. It's going to be drastically different if we're talking about marketing versus we're talking about operations. Yes. So operations, I mean, to me, I think that's going to be kind of too case by case specific to talk about. Or yes. am I wrong? No, that is definitely case by case. Marketing, I can give you a lot more broad answers. All right. So marketing, marketing is marketing, as mm -hmm. I as I tell people in mm -hmm. a, in a positive way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then let's focus kind of on the marketing side. You know, walk me through how, what you're doing with that data, how you're running it through stuff. I mean, what's what's the process like? from a business owner who sit down with you to help them get their marketing to sure. the next level. Um, so I'll give an example that's a real life happening right now. Um, we have a client and he's a national client, um, but he has been, they've been, when they use you know digital advertising, they were just, they didn't put any constraints on it. They just, the, the, the company that they bought the, the contract with to run all their ads online just said, well, we'll let the, the algorithm figure out where best to run the ads. Right, we have no problem spending your money until yeah. the algorithm finds out. Yeah, right. yeah, so. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, with that, um, that starts at, like, that's the, if you think of a funnel as, you know, it's wide at the top and skinny at the bottom, so digital advertising is at the very top because that's, you know, you're driving um, awareness, and then in some cases you can drive action, but in this case, while they were trying to drive conversions, they weren't getting enough online to be able to build a model. So they just kept dumping the money at the places where they were getting, you know, people to at least visit the website. So they were dumping more money at the lookers and not the bookers because they couldn't get enough bookers because they were spreading the money everywhere. Gotcha. And so the analysis that we're doing with them right now is, well, if this algorithm was saying these are the markets that we should be in, well, let's dive a little deeper. And so we're actually going to be taking a geographic study of those particular markets all the way down to the final revenue spends that's in their CRM. 
And so we are going to be looking at a whole journey story of those different markets. So one of them is New York. One of them is, oh, not LA, San Francisco. And then a big one, Salt Lake City, because that happens to be where they are. And so they, they buy a lot of radio, they buy TV, they buy newspaper in Salt Lake City. Gotcha. <laughs> and so when they buy banner ads, it, it's running in Salt Lake City, people are clicking because they're doing all this other stuff. And so then the algorithm's just dumping more into Salt Lake City when they don't need it. Um, but now we take what they're doing with the banner advertising and then we go into their Google Analytics and we go into their search engine marketing and we um, they have e-commerce set up in the Google Analytics so we can actually see the search engine marketing and what's that, that what that is driving for revenue. But we're going to be looking at it at the marketplace because what I've also noticed is um, it's Houston. Like they had a high amount of impressions in Houston for the banner ads, but not enough, uh, but there was no revenue from that banner advertising, but there's a lot of revenue coming from, um, in Google Analytics, from paid search and from just keyword search. In and Houston? Yeah, in Houston. And so what I'm trying to think is, well, well, how is this geographic market different? If we've never been in it before, it's probably, you need, like, there needed to be an increased amount of frequency in the Houston market because it's such a long window from looking to booking. And so what you have to understand with the marketing funnel is that all the top stuff influences the bottom stuff. And so while that banner ad company couldn't claim the, um, the sale, it's because they only had a 30-day look-back window. And so if it's taking Houstonites, you know, 45 days, 60 days, 90 days to finally get around to buying this product, um, they're not being able to get that attention. But we can see it through the funnel. So by building the market journey, we can actually see the differences. And so like... New York, they are like, buy, like their average revenue is like really low uh, for for each sale, which means they're buying like the accessories. Whereas this other market, theirs is like really really high, which means they're all in. They've already they they they've drank the Kool Aid and they're buying the big you know the biggest product gotcha. that they've got. So by looking at things on a geographic level, um, we're going through the whole marketing system, and so not only we're also looking at. Um, their email platform and seeing what kind of responses that we're getting so we can see by market how that differentiates itself. And then going even further, uh, we'll be looking then at the sales and then we're going even into their um, their satisfaction surveys that they do through um, the companies called Bizarre Voice where people you know, will rate it and write a, write a piece. We can analyze that so we can go all the way through the whole cycle um, and so we picked geography for this particular company because that seemed to make the most sense because they had just kind of sprayed and prayed, right? <laughs> you know? And so, um, another thing that I do, um, under data wonderment, but just because I've done it for so long, it's something that I personally do. And then John is my, my coordinator on that. We, we do media planning buying. And so hopefully the next step is I'm telling him where the markets he should be in and how he should be doing the frequency and then he'll give us the media dollars and we'll actually make the buy for him. So that would be like based upon the you know what you're doing in this city to get this return we should be buying radio ads in this city versus that mm -hmm. city. Exactly. Okay. Um, but then 
operationally, because I understand how all that works, it's like, well, what are your shipping costs? Because you're housed here and you're shipping your product all the way over here or all the way over there, would it make sense for us to pull the lever and dump more money into this market when your margins are not gonna be as high? When this market is perfectly good and super closer. So then you're, you're saving on, on all that. And if it's even like returns, you're saving on, on things getting returned. So I can look at it things at a much more holistic level. Um, before I got into the data world and I was just doing media planning, buying, um, I'd spend my clients millions of dollars on you know new markets or different markets and not think in regard of well you know plane ticket costs you know is there a higher barrier to entry because all mine were travel clients so it was gotcha. you know is there a higher barrier of entry to get in and and all that stuff and so but now um because of the fact that i'm in much more of a data world i can bring that experience and expertise to the media planning buying arena so it sounds like almost it, it sounds like there's really like a, a multi-step process where the first mm -hmm. step is sort of like you know human zapier getting everything together yes. getting all the data in one place it getting is. everything to talk yes and then what you're learning from that and then implementing the changes and obviously just consistently reviewing what's going on is mm -hmm. that the kind of the life cycle of it yeah that's the whole goal I, we stop at just the so for the data audit contract um we'll stop at the and here are the insights and then we can, if you like that, all of that, and you feel like you can handle it on your own, please feel free. But if you still feel it's daunting, let us continue the relationship. Let us keep going on making the next steps. Let me help with the media buy, or let uh, my, you know, sur my survey guy help with building out your customer and employee satisfaction. Um, or you know, we're also like we're pitching right now uh, for a, a rebrand, but it's not a, technically a rebrand. It's a um, internal employee brand um, like analysis and so we'll you know we can do just employee surveys and be able to pull that information out so that way when you know HR is relaunching their care program or their benefits program that they can they can help with that too so gotcha. we're, we're still a little all over the place but <laughs> <laughs> well but it sounds like there's done the right way it sounds like there's merit to that because yeah. a lot of what you're running into is these businesses don't have everything nothing comes together mm -hmm. you know so your job is sort of kind of get it all to come together yeah and then see what comes from that exactly you know I think a lot of people you know you talk about price and whatnot so I think a lot of companies lose sight of the benefit of consistency or the benefit of having everything in the same place mm -hmm. versus saving money by having 27 different programs across 47 different websites across mm -hmm. the, you know everything else yeah not impossible to pull all the data together but uh, it is much more time intensive for sure so from from this one that you talked about you've got this you know you've got this company that's nationwide i'm assuming they did a pretty good job collecting the data they're, no, they're the no. ones that had the CRM where the guy started it five years ago. Ah, so okay. it's been quite messy. So we actually, we have a whole, we'll be providing them a whole write-up on how to fix it. <laughs> because I also have a, a Salesforce implementation specialist. Um, and so he doesn't want to do that for a living, but he doesn't mind a, you know, offering advice on how to fix things. But if, uh, if, if they're like, oh, it's too daunting, could you do it? Yeah, we'll, we'll get it, we'll do it. But that's not a part of fixing it is not a part of the audit. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot going on with that one. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's one of those where it goes to you know how much money is the company willing to throw at fixing the problems? Yeah, yeah, and we want we, we the the uh, the general idea is we don't want to just keep coming at them being like, well, this will be more money if you do this, and this is gonna be more money if you do this. But like, if you have Salesforce, here's the here's the lesson on that: you need an admin person who really knows it. And I feel like they've they've got one, but the person knows like enough to keep keep the ship afloat. Right. But you know, uh, I, I I don't know car analogies very well but if it's a, you know no, the, sh- the amazing, ship one's good you the know? ship one's good yeah we've, keeping we've it got afloat eight holes in the boat and yes. you know s- these seven holes will cost this much this yeah. eighth hole will cost that much yeah. and how many holes you want to plug yeah. i guess it slowly slowly sinks, sinks yes <laughs> but well, the, the car one though is the you know they've got five speeds and they're, they're keeping it in first gear the whole okay. time gotcha. where they're not even taking it to second or third they're not building automation practices for their marketing to make life easier for themselves they're just keeping it afloat Shh. Car and boat combined, yeah. <laughs> there we go. We're, we're mixing metaphors here to solve yeah. these problems. So, I mean, I, I I get the impression that you're, you know, looking behind the curtain here for a lot mm-hmm. of these businesses. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they should be sharing everything with you so that you all can decide where the issues are or if there aren't issues, what what's working well. Yes, yes. And we sign all the NDA, all the, the things. Um, it's a blanket over my contractors. And we have to get behind the curtain. We have to see everything. Um, there, You know, it's uh, it, if there's one integral piece of information that we miss, then our whole analysis, you know, would be like, oh, well, had we known that? Oh, you know? Right. Um, and so it's important. So when the kickoff starts and we start to get all the pieces, uh, we have kind of what we call a product owner go in, roll up their sleeves and figure out, well, how does it all connect? How can it be combined? What does it mean? How does it work? Well, it would be great if we had this. Where is that? How do we find this? (laughs) Um, So then when our data warehouse people can get in, grab it, scrape it, manipulate it, get into the tables for our analysis people to look at, then we know what we're, what we're, aiming for so what are some of the biggest issues that you see companies making you know obviously not collecting the data not collecting the data effectively but when you're behind the curtain I mean what are some of the common problems that you're uncovering after those two those ones Hmm. or is it just so case-by-case specific yeah, well, only having been in business for two and a half years and only having had done so many data audits, I, I can't say there's a trend yet. Okay. Um, yeah, every business... You don't have the three to 500 data points. I don't points, have the three yeah. to 500 data points, but with uh, your help, yeah. <laughs> with this show, maybe. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is um, it is different case by case. And, um, and it's also based on the goals. Uh, so right now, you know, we're working with the CMO. If we were working with the CFO, the goals would be different. If we are working with the CEO, the goals would be different with our data audit. Uh, so it really just, so what we uncover and what the insights are the most important um, are definitely um, relative to the individual also who signed our contract. Gotcha. Because we're trying to also make them look like rock stars. So all of this work, all this behind the curtain, all of this you know efforting is really for us to serve the analysis on a platter for them that they can understand and they can get and then they can show off to the people saying see wasn't this worth it i've made these decisions i've made these changes based on this information and now we're all better gotcha so interesting so it's the you know it's different for us because it's my wife and i you know running the company Mm -hmm. um but i i guess a lot so a lot of what you're doing is okay the marketing team's doing a good job but the operations team is dropping the ball on these or Mm -hmm. the finance team 
you know, we're in a good financial position, but we're not generating enough stuff out of marketing. I mean, it seems like mm -hmm. a lot of it is sort of that internal strife in yes. the business. Yes, yes, but okay. the leaders are normally only uh, focused, you know, on one at a time. <laughs> and so they feel a problem is here, and so we'll help with that. And then, you know, the, one of them was, you know, was like, well, I don't care what, the, you know, these guys are doing, or, you know, I don't, returns, that's not a problem for me. And that's like, it's a problem for the whole for some, company. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So then I guess, let me, let me phrase the question a little bit differently to see if we get a different answer. What are some of the, you know, red flags or the big indicators that you can really come in and help that a business can sit there with, oh, you know, I am having this problem. Is this the solution to it? Or I am having this issue. Or I am at this stage in growth. Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about the client who wanted to double, within a certain period of time, double attendance. Oh, yeah. Double attendance uh, at, the, at their uh, venue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big one. Yes, uh, they, they had signed... Our, uh, the part of the RFP and the contract was that they have to keep, we have to keep increasing their attendance uh, through our efforts. Um, but that was the marketing people talking and then the actual operations people are like, no, but we're going under construction next year. How is that a thing that's going to happen? Gotcha. <laughs> it's just, they're, they're too big. They're not actually talking to each other or asking what each other wants or what the expectations are. So when we came in and we're like, yeah, we can do this because we can analyze what happened in the past, be able to make find efficiencies and, and get things better. And then, oh, wait, construction. Uh, so do you still want us to do that? Oh, no, no, that's okay. Like, well. Well, we, we, now we could have put an effort on helping you, you know, stem the tide on when the construction's happening. Right. You know? <laughs> we put all this effort into this, and now you want that. And uh, Okay. You know, so it, it's really um, having all the stakeholders have a game plan. The biggest red flag is when we have one person who is gung-ho for us, and the other person is like, why do we need data again? <laughs> I, uh, I can imagine that's a consistent problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, less and less. Like, everybody's starting to get the, uh, the data thing, but then you have... So we'll have... Um, we have the kickoff. We'll look at all the data, and then we'll come in with a brainstorming because we always feel like we can come up with all the great questions in the world to ask, but if they're not important to you, then us doing the analysis on answering these questions aren't going to matter. And so a safety net on the red flag is we're not going in saying, well, we're the experts. We know exactly what questions you should be answering um, because it's, it's different for everybody. And so um, having all the stakeholders present when we're going through and saying, well, this is the, some of the initial things we've seen with your data. And so we think we can start to ask these questions. Does that matter to you? <laughs> or us coming up with these questions, did it bring insight to these other questions? Like, are, are you thinking of other questions now that you know what kind of things we can do with your data? Um, having that up front uh, is really helpful. Um, like the, the first time we did it, we were like, we're gung-ho, we'll just, we'll, we'll get it done and we'll ask all these questions. And, you know, a couple of them were like, so? <laughs> so what? And it's the, you know, you have to figure out the whiffum, the what's in it for me mentality. Um, but that's really where the having the different, so if, it would be great to have the CFO, CEO, and CMO there together, right? all on the same page. Um, but the, you know, hopefully the benefit is if the CMO goes, oh yes, 
I learned all of this stuff and it was data wonderment, it's amazing. And the CFO would then say, well, could they do this for me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so really, I mean, you're looking for a business that knows it either wants to take the next step or knows it wants to solve a certain problem but doesn't know what the most efficient way is to do that. Yes, that would be preferable. Okay. We're, we're coming across those that are just saying, I have data, but I don't even know what I don't know yet. Could you help with something? I, and that's that, that. The vagueness is more difficult. We'd yeah. much rather have the other two. <laughs> well, I mean, I you know, I, I'm just I'm just happy that we're moving more towards businesses understanding that they need to be tracking data or data because yeah. To me, that I think would be the biggest hurdle, at least from who I talk to. But we're, I guess I'm talking about you know with most mostly other attorneys, not actual businesses. <laughs> They're real <laughs> businesses. No. Are, are we the not yeah. traditional businesses? No, yeah, I, it, we... I would say lawyers. Um, it, it, it'd be a little difficult, but I have had a chat recently with an accountant, and he owns an accounting firm, and he um, was super jazzed about figuring out how to build a new database with all the disparate pieces he has um, because what he wants to be able to do is that when um, and so it's just as simple as helping with the database I would say is we can help figure out the best way to store it so that when a new accounting law changes in a year and it affects this size company with this amount of wealth with this kind of issue then he can just run a filter query all the ones pop up so that he can send an email blast to just to them see that's got to be the ideal client though that's you're being proactive you yeah. know exactly what the problem is you're aware of what solution you need to put into place yeah i mean that's uh props to that accountant yeah right so yeah i was impressed with his uh his ideas. I was like, "Ooh, I, I would like to. I would like to make that work for you. Can we? Can we do this together? That'd be great." <laughs> so, but so I imagine with with lawyers. I mean, I don't know. It depends on, you know, how many customers you have. If you have five whales, but or fifty minnows, um, you can do something with the data. Right. Um, but it just depends on whether you you need me for it or you just take me out for a cup of coffee and give me a gift card or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now that we've kind of gotten through, you know, the the steps that you all take to helping the business, you know, put all the data together, figure out what the problems are, learn from that. Um, can you give everybody your contact information again? Sure. It's uh, Patty with an I at datawonderment.com. We got John, J-O-H-N, at datawonderment.com. Datawonderment.com, um, all the social media is Data Wonderment. Uh, pretty easy to find. All right. So um, with that, this is probably going to be about the 20th episode of the podcast, still a relatively oh. new podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so we're asking for listeners, hopefully they've enjoyed it. You know, if not my voice, at least we've got these wonderful guests on for all of them. Uh, we'd like an honest review. Hopefully it's five stars. You know, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Last FM, pretty much anywhere, you know, traditional, wonderful podcasts can be found. Um, then I want to leave you all with the, the same way we end all these podcasts. So we've, we've talked about a bunch of things, but if somebody takes nothing from this, except what we're about to talk to now, what is that one biggest piece of advice that you want as many business owners as possible to know? And we'll get one from each of you. It's not just collecting the data, it's doing something with it. All right, so not just collect the data, but act on it. Yes. All right, and John? I'd say data drives so much for our lives today. It's, it's very important to uh, capture data, 
and analyze it. It's mm -hmm. it's crucial to moving forward in the business world. All right, and it goes back to you know more is better. Collect mm -hmm. it if you don't use it, great. Yeah. You have it, but if you do use it, then you have more data to act properly off of. Yes. Uh, with that though, with that though, sure. If you are going to collect something and it's weird or more than what you need, tell your customers why <laughs> yes. you want it. <laughs> yeah, we get that all the time yeah. about about the address stuff. Yeah. They're always like, well, are you going to have the cops like come out if I don't pay? I'm like, no, no, no. no. That, they would take my bar card so quickly yeah. for anything along those lines. Like, no, but it helps us with yeah. you know, what area and certain things. And then for us, our credit card processor needs their address as well. So yeah. I can always pawn it off on somebody else. Yes. But I, that is a very good point. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Get Up to Business from Jordan Law. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and would consider sharing the show. We would also love an honest five-star review through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you use. If you are interested in being a guest of the podcast, please contact producer Mark through email at mark at jordanlawfl.com. Use the subject line podcast guest in your email. Thank you. We look forward to speaking to you again soon.